Welcome to All Things YJ, Episode 8. We're going back to the future, actually back to the 50s and 60s with Lenny Rotman. Lenny, how are you? I'm great, Itzy. How are you today? Good. Lenny, it's it's so interesting because the last name Rotman has so much to do with YJ and so many of our experiences. You are cousins with Charles B. Rotman over Sholem, correct? That, that's correct. Uh, Charles was my first cousin. Our fathers were brothers. Ah, there you go. Now, Charles started camp in the 40s because he's a little older than you. Uh, so what was, what was he like when you got to camp? Well, when I went to camp, I was nine. And um, Charles was head of the waterfront. And uh, my other cousin, Bert Rotman, was head of athletics. And Bert and Charles and I were all first cousins. They were much older than me. Our fathers were all brothers. Um, but he was sort of a in the leadership position already. So my relationship with him was, I think, what every young boy or girl at camp would have with somebody who's the head of a department. It's like, whoa, he's the head of the department. And, um, but we, of course, we were related. And so I think he probably treated me uh, in a different way at times. But, you know, he was, uh, he was Charles. He was always Charles. He really never changed. Now, this is 1958. That was your first summer at YJ, Lenny. And so Charles was 23. You're nine, so there's a 14-year difference there. And Bert was head of athletics. I mean, and it's kind of neat, but you're a camper. Did you know these guys, like, growing up from family events or just from camp? I knew them from family events. And, um, they, you know, you're saying Charles was 23. That's impossible. You know, he felt like... I know. Uh, right, right. 43 or 53, you know, yeah, I, just a little boy. And it's amazing how 23 is so young. I know. Well, when I started in 81, he saw, and he and my dad are, happened to be the same age. I thought he was just like this old, old guy. And he was not that old. You know, he was like 46, I think, that year. And you know, like, uh, what's that? Yeah, no, I was going to say that uh, I was talking to David Rotman the other day, Charles's yeah. son, and I didn't know that Charles was 23 that year, but David's daughter is 23 right now. Yeah, oh, Becca, yeah. <laughs> so yeah isn't that Dollar, interesting? Becca, yeah, yeah, that's funny, from Dollar 2012, Becca Rotman. Yeah, we'll get into that in, in, later on, but... Um, you know, it's 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 amazing that she carried on the the uh, lineage, you know, up until yeah. her Dalit summer, which is about eight years ago now. It's mm-hmm. crazy like that. So you, it was almost like a natural transition for you to go to YJ because your cousins were there and there's some familiarity already, even though you maybe never, ne- uh, hadn't been up to Amherst yet. Right. Well, what happened was my dad passed away, oh, and um, I was eight, and uh, my mother thought that we should go to camp, and but. We really didn't have much income. My father was a butcher. And um, so there were Rotmans at camp. In fact, there was another Rotman at camp before Charles and Bert, and her name was Bernice Spean. She was, sure. a Rot- she was a Rotman also, and she was a camper in the 40s. And as the story goes, uh, she actually helped uh, co-write Deep in the Hills of New Hampshire. And so oh. that's what her, that's what her, her daughter uh, Phyllis told me, who was also at camp for a year in the mid '60s or late '60s, I believe. No, but, that, that's true. She did write "Deep in the Hills of New Hampshire." Actually, I yeah. knew that, and and she came back. Uh, well, now fifty years ago, and became head of girls area in 1970. That, that's right. She was head of the girls area. Yeah. But to go back to the story, my mother probably worked something out with the administration at the time. I think with Sid Berlin, and of course Charles was, in, and Bert were both there already. 
and we had some history where my mother could work in the office and they probably, in an exchange for me going to camp and my sister Gail was at camp that year also, my mother worked all summer in the office and that's how we started that year. It was my oh. mom and my sister and myself. Oh, that's so great. That's so yeah. great. They, in yeah. fact, you, that, um, having, you know, that people there that to, for support, even today is, is such a, such a big thing, uh, at camp when you, you know, cause it's a big place when you're a little kid and you started when you were eight, I think, you know, it's like bigger than life and you're like, whoa, 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 but it's good to have some people. So what was it like, like, you know, uh, like say like you're walking back to the bunk after evening activity, can you like paint a picture of that? Uh, you know, what, what were you hanging out with your bunk mates or counselors did they do snack after evening activity back then oh they always did snack snack was great you know i think yeah. that the whole the whole notion of uh being away for the first time and uh having meals in a dining room and not be able to go to the refrigerator or have your mom wait on you uh this it's so different and you know at night if you're alone sometimes you feel alone but it can't be you didn't really ever feel that alone because there were so many other people around. But it was very different. You know, later on, you go camping, you enjoy life in a different way when you're, you know, a little bit older or a teenager. And you know, at camp, uh, you're, you're there and uh, you're outside all the time. And I really, I loved it. Um, but I was there because my mom decided I should go. And I suppose that's the same itsy with all young people who aren't really thinking about what they're going to do in, you know, for the summer when they're eight or nine years old. But um, in my case, it was a decision that my mother made and my mother was in charge and, um, and you know, and she stayed in charge, by the way. And, um, and that's the way it was. Yeah, you mentioned earlier Sid Berlin. Sid Berlin. Sid Berlin was our third director at CYJ. The first being Morton, Dr. Morton J. Robbins. You know, was also one of the founders. Then there was someone from your neighborhood who you don't, you really didn't know because you were so right. much younger. Ar Arthur Klein. Right. So you, so Lenny grew up in Brighton. Lenny, Lenny tell, tell us about your camp neighborhood. Well, interestingly, uh, I can talk more about this when we talk about Charles more. But Charles sure, had. Sure. Uh, yeah, Charles had uh, a group of friends, and one of them was Mike Liebenson. They, we grew up in the same street. Um, and uh, Arthur Klein was the director before I began at camp, and he also lived in Brighton. And unfortunately, he he passed away very young and uh, unexpectedly. And uh, so the story goes from people I've spoken to. He was he was loved. He was a he was a really really wonderful man. And uh, it was a huge loss to the community and YJ and beyond. But uh, I didn't really know him that well. I was a, just a little boy. Okay. Then, uh, but you mentioned Mike Liebenson and he and, and, you know, he and Charles, Mike was there and they talk about Mike, if you will, if you would, and there a lot there in the fifties and the sixties and met his wife there. And they were good friends with the, the Newbergs, uh, Richard and Rosalie. Right. That's right. And, That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Charles had a group of friends. It was really unique. There were, uh, there were four couples. It was uh, Charles and Iris. Uh, it was Mike Liebenson and, uh, and Lois well, Aronson. Right. Uh, Richie Newberg and Rosalie Newberg. And uh, Chuck Clayman and Judy. Now, all the couples except for Charles and Iris met at camp. So seven of the eight were camp people and um they became 
great, great friends, and they shared a lot of wonderful times together. They all traveled together for years. It was, it was one of those really unique relationships that were formed at camp and where people all met at camp and the families, the husbands and wives met at camp. That's just one of the wonderful things about camp. I don't know if you keep records, but I would imagine there are hundreds of people who <laughs> met at camp who are now married and have children and grandchildren even. There, you know, it's funny. I do have a document that is, uh, you know, in, always in progress, always adding to the camp couples. And for Rich and Rosalie, their son, Keith, was in my Dalit, Dalit 85. Oh. And Keith and, I, Keith and I went to Israel. And I think Keith, uh, I know he works up in the uh, the Y up in uh, the North Shore, I think in Swampscott. And, uh, and Judy and Chuck's um, son, Scott was in my bunk as well, but I, I'm pretty sure he didn't make it to Dollar, but uh, their, either their cousin, Brian Clayman came aboard. Uh, for, he was on staff with us in the late 80s, mm-hmm. and, Ste- and Stephanie, uh, uh, she was a camper as well during that era, and so was Kim Newberg. So like that was our familiarity. In fact, when Keith was head of riflery, he wanted to change, uh, change the riflery range to Newberg range. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that ever happened. I don't, I don't think, think so. So those branding rights are still up for grabs if anyone's oh, interested. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so well, you know the next generation, so it's I know it's make those connections with you. I, oh, it's amazing, and yeah. and I love when it still connects because, like, right. um, you know, you'll be somewhere and someone's like, "Hey, I met Keith at the uh, at the at the Y," and you know, Keith's friends with another woman from my Dollar Janet uh, Weinstein Zanger and her husband Matt, who was also a YJ, and so their kids know Keith, and they and her their son uh, would have been a Dollar this summer. And he's hopefully going to Israel next summer uh, with the trip. But it's it's amazing because that's what we want to keep those lineages alive, you know, yeah. from people who were there over 50, over almost 60 years ago, which is amazing. I know. I know. It's amazing. But I think if you were at camp for any number of years and had to have, you know, 10 or 15 friends, uh, you could probably connect to everyone who's ever been at camp. Because there's so much family and everybody knows, you know, 10 or 15 more people and just talking with you, you know about the next generation of family of uh, people who are older than me. You know, people uh, like Mike uh, Liebenson is nine years old, t- almost 10 years older than me. But, oh, wow. you know, I know about him because we grew up in the same street. I knew his brother, who uh, is in Israel, who um, has lived in Israel for a long time. And uh, but, you know, now, interestingly, I ran into Richie Newberg now that uh, I live on the North Shore, and I ran into Chuck Clayman about seven years ago, eight years ago, at mm. the JCC in Marblehead. And I thought, wouldn't this be great? Um, he was always such a really, really wonderful man. And uh, to know him was to know one of those very, very sweet people and um, who was always nice to everyone. So I said, well, let's meet for coffee. And I would fool around with him. Why don't you join our group? Come on. And he was, yeah. you know, was a little bit older than me. And he says, no, 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 I can't join that group. And I said, well, why don't we meet for coffee? And he said, yeah. And then he gets sick. Oh, and then I he know. passed very quickly. Yeah. Um, it was- and it was so sad, you know, uh, because he, another one of those really, really great guys. I mean, it's an incredible era because, you know, the camp probably back then, it's only a couple hundred people where it's almost double the right. size these days. Right. So, you you know, you talk about, you know, kind of everyone and everyone's business, like some of the other key people, like what what was Sam Midman? Sam Midman, I know, was the head of arts and crafts and was one of those dedicated uh, adults really? to YJ. And, you know, do, did you have any interaction with Sam at all? You know, Sam, Sam Midman 
was one of those uh, fixtures at camp. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little bit older than everyone else, um, but he was, you know, always there. And everybody thought of him as this lovable man who, if you were, you know, into arts and crafts, he was your person. But, you know, I was thinking about Sam for the first time in a while when you mentioned you wanted to talk about him. And I thought that I think Sam and I don't know if you know, he his wife was Dora. Okay. And he had two uh, children, uh, yeah. Honey and Joy. Sure, so sure. I was thinking about, uh, I think. I think Sam and Dora were ahead of their time. Who would call their name their daughters Honey and Joy? It was like it was a character. It was like he was like from the Woodstock generation. Only he lived, you know, two generations before that. Oh yeah. But, um, he was he was a great guy, and his wife Dora, she would. Uh, I don't know when this began, but she would sing in front of the camp, and every time she would sing, they would call Dora up to sing. And she would sing this song in the land of San Domingo. And she had this high-pitched voice. You know how they always call people up to sing in front of the Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, I don't yeah, know if they yeah. still do that, but it was a fun yeah. thing. And Dora, they do, they do. Yeah, so Dora would come up, and she started singing, In the land of San Domingo, bup, bup, bup. And she would go on, and then the whole camp would go, oompa, 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 you know. And everybody would join in, and it was like, oh, my God, Dora's going to sing In the land of San Domingo again. So, like, every couple of weeks, they in all the years I was, I was there, they would call, you know, Dora up to sing. I don't think Sam ever sang, but Dora had a reputation for, for the microphone. Well, I could just picture like the old dining hall, like the old porch section, everyone getting up and, and maybe singing in the round or something like that to it. That's pretty awesome. But it was that's funny a, because she had this high memory. voice and um, and she always sang the same song. Well, she, you know, she was a one hit wonder. She's a one hit wonder. She carved out her space. But, that's amazing. Yeah. So what were you, yep. Go ahead. Sure. I was going to talk about more about your camper years. So fifty-eight. Oh, you're, yeah. first, you're eight years old in fifty-eight. Correct. Uh, no, I may have been well, fifty-eight. No, I'm 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 now uh, 10. ten. Eleven. Okay. I'm up ten. Yeah. Okay. So I'm ten we're... years old now. Okay. So, yeah. and you were at yeah, camp till sixty-seven. Now, when so when you transitioned to a counselor, we're talking mid-sixties then. Oh, so I actually transitioned to becoming a kitchen boy. Oh, tell me about that. Tell me about that experience. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that being a kitchen boy is sort of is kind of special at camp. So I'm 14 years old. I'm a young kitchen boy. But Charles said, oh, yeah, well, come on, cousin Leonard. Leonard. I think they all called me Leonard. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Of course. It's Charles. He's calling you Leonard. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I... I walk in, I meet these guys, and uh, they were they were all a couple of years older than me, you know, 14 years old. And there was Stan Newman and Jeff Gansberg. You know, they were athletic. They were handsome. And, uh, and they accepted me, you know. They were just these really nice guys. And they accepted me, and I said, oh, this is going to be fun, you know. And I didn't know what it was going to be like to be a kitchen boy. But, you know, it's, I, what I learned very early on was that it was sort of a unique social status that the kitchen boys had at camp with the girls. <laughs> and, oh, everybody, man. I like the kitchen boys. And the kitchen boys, you know, they would get 
finished as quickly as they could. We would wash all the dishes and then we could wash up, you know, uh, you know, take a shower and we could go out during evening activity. We could sort of roam the campus and, uh, and it was great. So then I ended up, um, as a kitchen boy for a couple of, a couple of more years. And, you know, yeah, right. Was, Why not? Why not? I, I know it was great. You know, you wash dishes and you have time off, you meet, you know, you meet people. And, you know, I was a kitchen boy with, um, Kenny Kornreich's older brother, Louie. I was, a, sure. I was, a I was a kitchen boy with Marty Hoffman and then later met his brother, Warren, who was also at camp. But, you know, if somebody's a couple of years younger, you need the intro or you have to share an activity with them to know them or, or work with their brother, you know, because yeah, yeah. You know, Louie was my friend. And then I met Kenny later. Kenny is a couple of years younger. That's funny. Cause yeah, Louie worked in the kitchen, yep. uh, Louie Kornreich. And then when, Ken worked to started working in the kitchen in uh, 1970, and they also worked for Leo. Leo was our maintenance director for probably from the 60s till 1983, I think. I know Leo and Levesque. Leo Levesque in the red truck. Yeah. So instead yeah. of calling Kenny Kenny, he would call Kenny Louie, and he's still called him. <laughs> you know, if he right. would have saw him today, but yeah, right. but that. So I I had Leo my the you know the last of Leo. I got oh, the you last. Did. Wow. Yeah, the last eleven years of Charles, twelve years of Charles, and the last three or four years of Leo. So uh, you know, just as you know, I, I, I wonder what they were like in their prime. I know Leo was like, you know, look out for that red truck. Well, you you've got a lot of years there. You you got, oh you got, you're competing with uh, with Kenny and with Charles. Um, and this would have been, you know, and I, I, this would have been my, th- I call it my 30th out of the last 40 summers. I did miss a few years yeah. along the way, but it's, you know, it's one of those places when you always, I've said this before, but like that first night, I was like, yeah. what is going on here? Your counselors are entertaining. And yeah, but, but I feel like you were one of those guys who always kept in touch with, with people. I tried. I tried. Well, let me, so I'll tell you. So I was kitchen boy for a number of years and then, okay, yeah. that's enough. How many years can I be a kitchen boy at camp? You know? Sure. And so, um, I went back as a, as a, as a counselor and, um, yeah, I thought I was a pretty good counselor. I was a counselor in the same bunk that I was a camper in and, um, with the, with the little kids. I, I really, I liked the, the little guys. So one day, you know, how you have to make your bed every day and you clean up and, you know, and so this, this boy wasn't making his bed. I asked him, well, why aren't you making a bed? He says, well, I don't want to. He says, what do you mean you don't want to make your bed? Everybody has to make their bed at camp. He says, yeah, well, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know. And so I said, well, you have to. Uh, then I'll help you. So he said, well, the maid makes my bed at home, so I'm not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at that point, <laughs> I called my co-counsel and I said, I think you should take over this this situation. And then I realized I may not be cut out for being a counselor with kids whose maid makes their bed. You know, I grew up in Brighton. Come on. We don't have maids. I don't even heard the word maid before, you know? So, you know, anyway, it was, uh, it was interesting uh, because, you know, on visiting day and sometimes in talking to the kids, even though smallest kids, you learn a little bit more about their lives, but at camp, everybody was kind of equal really. And, um, occasionally, you know, you learn different things, but it didn't really matter, you know? And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was, it was the relationships and the lifelong bonds that were made at camp were just, you know, so incredible. And it was really that, uh, that, that connection and the people who you met, you know, well, sports is a whole other thing. Go they, for they it. Go great. for they it. Were great. So we'll talk about sports as well. 
But then there were some other people who I've been in touch with over the years, including David Mursky. Sure. Uh, who was a, a program director in the 60s. And, uh, and, and the boys area in 69 and 70. Oh, was well. he there that late? Yeah. Yeah, his his. In fact, my connection and I and David's. I, I always enjoy talking to him when I see him. His son Adam is all was also in the same bunk as Keith Newberg and I. Oh, and that okay. first day, nineteen eighty one, who's lying on his bed reading a comic book is Adam Mursky. And I say, I'm like, hey, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm Steve. And he goes, Hey, I'm Ad. I'm like, Oh, what a cool name, Ad. And, he goes, and then I found out it's Adam. I'm like, Oh, that's not so cool. But we're still friends today. <laughs> and and uh, both his daughters have been on staff and. Uh, his sister Rachel and or both her kids have right. been campers. It's amazing right. that they right. they have like a four. I think they're they're fourth generation now, maybe fifth. It's a lot. Wow. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, wow. that's great. But you know, recently are... I spoke, as I mentioned to you earlier, to Jeff Gansberg, who I haven't spoken to in a long time. I see Andy every year. Oh, good. I have a business, and he comes up to. Uh, in addition to the work that I do, I have another business, and he comes up with his uh, new family. And um, I'm not sure how new the family is, actually, but um, okay. but uh, I think it's a stepdaughter, and they live in Boston, and they come up to buy, of all things, you know, Jewish guys I, I selling know. Christmas trees. Uh, I've, yep. I've been selling Christmas trees for 48 years. What a wonderful segue, because, Lenny, I was going to surprise you with that question. You were. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Marcy Kornreich and I were talking yesterday, and I, she goes, you know, Lenny, there was an article on Lenny, he sells Christmas trees. I'm like, what? I go, let me save this one. I'll pop it on him. But you brought it up. Let's, 1972, you go in business with the, what's his, the guy's last name is Gregory, or that, that's the kid's brother? Yeah, so, um, so the year after I finished camp, I went to boot camp. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Uh, I got drafted. Um, and um, so when I came home, I got out of the service. I was in Vietnam. I met a bunch of guys. We were doing anti-war work together. And uh, one of the folks that I met, the guys back then, was Chris Gregory. And so I was selling trees, and he said, well, uh, you know, I'll help you. And uh, then we became partners, and we've been partners ever since. I spoke to him today. So since 1972. Isn't that amazing? It's so crazy. I read the article on the, on the Globe yesterday. I Googled it. And I was like, oh my God, that, this is an amazing thing. A nice Jewish boy from Brighton selling I the know, Christmas trees. You were just talking about Jeff and Andy Gansberg. Let's talk sports. What was sports oh, like? Oh, yeah. So back then, uh, back then being 1960, this was before me at camp, but I knew about this. And of course, it carried on. You know, sports was huge. So 1960, Jeff and his brother Andy, they come to camp, you know, and uh, I think that their first year was 60. And so as the story goes, they had never beaten Tevye until the Gansbergs and their entourage of great YJ, you know, softball players came along. You know, the Zionists were the, had arrived, you know. <laughs> and, and so that year, YJ went undefeated and they beat Tevye, who was also undefeated at the time. And I don't know if they still do this today, but, you know, back in the day, it's a, the entire camp would get into a frenzy in the dining room before a rival camp was coming for sports events. It was a really big deal. And people really would, they had the, were cheering and everything. I think Bonnie probably led most of the cheers back then. But um, the camp went crazy when, the, uh, when we beat Tevya. And, uh, and Jeff told me recently, he says, you know, that's a moment I'll never forget. Oh, and awesome. I was thinking that, you know, imagine you're 14 years old, you walk into the dining room, there are 400 people screaming, we're the champions, we beat Tevye, you know. And, you know, today, 60 years later, 
thing, it, it really it brings uh, goosebumps because I can feel the presence of what we lived through back then and what it was like. It was it was great, you know, and it was th- those were really really special times. I think and oh, sports were was, sports were really big. I mean, when you're at camp, as you know, yeah. you know there are some things that are great about camp and being outdoors and sports and and all the friendships and everything. That's a big big part of it. And, you know, there are a lot of other great players. In fact, I think one of the other um, I don't know who else was on that team except for Mark Webb, who was also a Brighton boy, who uh, I grew up with. Um, I don't know how many years Mark was at camp either, but but Mark was Mark was a great guy, and he was athletic. I don't think he was like Andy or Jeff, but there were other guys who were. And, you know, there were a few people that could, you know, hit the ball into the woods from the old backstop consistently. Right, right. So and back then, the, the field, because the field's been reversed. The uh, field when, changed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we put the new dining hall in, which is by Lou Brown Park, they had right. to kind of re- reverse the field to make That's it. That's right. Well, I think Buddy was one of the uh, – Buddy Levine was oh, yeah. one of the guys that could hit the ball into the, into the woods from there. But that was a poke. Yeah, but Buddy was a legend uh, of a softball player. Yeah, if he yeah. could, you could put it into the woods. Now, they, back, I remember from what I remember, they had the azalea bushes from right to right center, and then it would, you know, kind of jet out to the basketball courts and then curl right. around. And then, then right. there's the woods. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it's like, so what you were saying when the whole camp got into a frenzy. Nowadays, it happens. Okay, but what what it's the basketball tournament, and sometimes when they sweep the tennis or tennis, or. Yeah. Or if we go to over to Tevia or Yavna or, or Telno or whatever and win all the games, they, we have a thing called YJ Sweep. So then all the kids go, YJ Sweep, YJ Sweep. So it, it still exists, you know, they're still passionate about it. But I, I think what's gone on today is that our camp is so much more cultural yeah. now the, with the dancing and the, and, mm-hmm. the, and the plays. And, you know, traditions come and go too. Like I wish, you know, we, we kept some of the traditions from when I was a camper. There's probably traditions from when you were a camper. And, it got, and if you remember any, please, yeah. please yeah. let us know. Yeah. Um, well, but it's, it, the spirit is always there is, what it, is the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make. Well, I think if you have the right staff and you have the right people who get up in front of the camp – and get everybody going. You can get people going about anything. You have a captive audience. Everybody's there to have fun and enjoy. And so they do. And uh, and we had those people. And as I mentioned, Bonnie was one of them who was the cheerleader. And, and she loved being the cheerleader. And, and uh, Bonnie, uh, she Bonnie, was good at it, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. She's, you know, Bonnie's never shy. And she, she, she's come up to camp, let's say the last 10, 12 summers for the last four or five days every summer. And is so helpful yeah. and so supportive. And she yeah. and just loves it. And sometimes if she knows some of the campers, like one year it was one of the girls' birthdays and she did her Kings and Queens song up there. Just, you know, yeah, that's, that's total. Great. I'm like, this is like Bonnie coming out of, you know, a slice of the 60s coming back here yeah. in the modern yeah. camp. We got a few more minutes here. I want to bring up. Do you remember any Maccabiage or anything special like that, like camp, big camp events like that? Well, I do, but uh, because I was uh, I was a young camper, and uh, then I was a kitchen boy for so many years, I didn't participate as much in Maccabiage. But I remember um, Maccabiage being just a great time. It was so competitive, and I one thing I do remember is so many people being. Uh, you know, uh, skillful, I guess, in writing songs and coming up with ideas and and planning events, and uh, you know the level of uh, of interesting ideas that people had 
and uh, implementing new things. You know, I I think about that uh, quite a bit because it wasn't necessarily the the sporting. It wasn't just the sporting events. Right, it right. was a whole lot more. It was almost a, a new culture, and we're going to form. It's almost like we're forming a camp, and we're against this other camp. So, what are the important things about this camp or this group of people, and what do we have to do to be better? And and people really rose to the occasion. They were very interesting people that worked really hard, and they were so good at what they did. And you realize how far you can go with some people. And I think that you know there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, but you know the one thing that I that I uh, we didn't uh, talk about was that the number of Rotmans who were at camp. All right, let's go. Let's and, take uh, us so on the Rotman road. Bernice, I think, was the first. Then there were Bert and Charles, and then uh, my mom and my sister and I were at camp. And then later on, of course, it's made the out of sequence a little bit. Uh, then my sister went back to camp. My sister was. Uh, co-counselors with Bonnie. Then my sister was head of the girls' area, I think around '67. And this is, this uh, is Gail. This is Gail. 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 Yep. And then my uh, brother-in-law, Shelley Marin. Uh, I know Gail wasn't married to him yet, but he was head of the boys' area. Oh wow! And then, and then, here's <laughs> an interesting story. My uncle Joe was the meat man. He was the butcher. <laughs> and um, well, you know, I'm probably the only one who can say that their uncle was the butcher at camp. But you know, I was a kitchen boy, and my uncle, he would pull up to the loading dock, you know, with meat on ice under a blanket in the trunk of his car. You know, it stayed fresh. No one ever got sick. But can you imagine what oh the Board God. of Health would do with that today? You know, but his, <laughs> his butcher shop was on Blue Hill Avenue, near the corner of Morton and Blue and Mattapan. And any old Bostonians know Mattapan was a very Jewish neighborhood. Now it's an African-American area. Sure, sure, yeah. And um, so it wasn't a long ride, but that's the way he traveled. So there was then my uh, my Uncle Joe. And then uh, Bernice had two children, Phyllis and Peter. They were both at camp. And another cousin, Jerry Goldman, was at camp. And then, of course, David and John Rotman, Charles's sons, were at camp and their families. And then there were, the, there were more. There was actually Deb Nypress and her brother Johnny Nypress. They were Rotmans also. Oh. And they were at camp. So there were really quite a few. Yeah. So we got about a minute or two here left. Uh, Lenny, any last thoughts, any anecdotes you want to well, share? Did we miss anything? But, uh, you know, I think about camp. And, um, you know, it's if, if, uh, if you think, if you asked every, anyone who spent time at camp to make a list, you know, of the best times in their life, camp would be on everyone's list. Oh, absolutely. Without and a doubt. That is just the lasting impact that you have uh, mem- great memories about forever. Lenny, yeah. thanks so much. This is oh, phenomenal. Thank you. See, these stories are so great. And it helps, helps you know, this generation get a look at, you know, what paved the way to what we have today. And, and it's, you know, That's great. We'll, we'll be back next summer. I hope After, you get a could you know I hope you get a few minutes of stuff that you're going to be able to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's plenty. Absolutely. Okay.